WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. What's the one thing I'm really, really good at? Bad food takes? Complaint. The elite complainer right here. Sports Talk Saturday. What is it that Western New York is trying to be famous for? Chicken wings, smashing tables, and complaining? They've got one core job, and it's to make coffee well. Not even good, just well. On WGR. This is my first opportunity to drink a coffee, and now I'm disappointed. Sports Radio 550. Welcome back, Hour 2 of Sports Talk Saturday. I hope your coffee is not disappointing, and I hope that Nate is out there not disappointed with his drinks as well. Derek Kramer in for Nate Geary again this week. Josh Schmidt on the board, and now we kick right off Hour 2 with one of the best people in all of Buffalo media, I would say, as Pat Malcarl joins us, the voice of the Bisons. Pat, it's Derek, it's Josh. It's been a while since I've talked to you. How are you doing, man? Hey, doing well here. We're in uh, Lehigh Valley right now, which is in between Allentown and Bethlehem, PA, about an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia. So uh, looking forward to the weekend series here. It's good to chat with you again as well. I know it's, it's, it has been a while. Yeah, so much so that um, I, uh, a fun story for people. I had thought that uh, Pat may or may not have just not had my number after a while because I was just <laughs> Not around, but no, uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting little time here, Pat. And uh, one of the reasons I want to get you on here is because baseball in the majors right now. There's been plenty of interesting storylines, and I do also want to get a check on the Bisons as well. As you mentioned, you're in Lehigh as they get a weekend series going there. But one of the big things here, the Jays have been struggling as of late. They're in the middle of the AL East, but uh, they're kind of struggling as of late here, losers of five in a row. Uh, Pat, what have we been looking at here with the, with the Jays and everything going on with the struggles of the major club? Well, I think it's, it's a difference of, you know, there win a lot of one-run, two-run games, a lot of close games early in the season, and uh, you're not going to have that over the course of, you know, 162 certainly, and and they lose another game last night, and not only do they lose to, to Tampa Bay uh, with five to two, but they also lose George Springer to an injury. And Lourdes Scurriel Jr., who's a key, uh, he was injured last night as well. So they've been dealing with injuries, um, and you know some of the offseason acquisitions have been really good. Robbie Ray wins the AL Cy Young last year, and you think, okay, he's poised to get a mega deal for the Blue Jays. They decide to get Kevin Gosman instead. He's pitched well, took the loss last night, but seems like every Every game so far, he goes out, gives you six, seven innings of solid work. I think it's just a matter of right now, the Blue Jays' offense is going to come around. It's not there right now. Um, you're relying on one or two players to get the entirety of the offense going. And sure, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to have his hits. Uh, Bo Bichette has had a little bit of struggles, which he is notoriously uh, a slow starter, and that's not a knock against him. It just it seems like that's the way his season starts. But once... Once Bo gets it going, um, there, there's no no dialing it back. So, you know, right now for a team that uh, is on the negative side of run differential, I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, stringing a couple of games together. But on the, on the other hand, you can't lose uh, four out of five against the New York Yankees. And what, what turned out to be, you know, a really big chance uh, last week in a three-game set at home and then the two-game series in the Bronx this past week. And now having lost their fifth in a row, uh, extending it into Tampa Bay in this series, um, they'll get Hunjin Ryu back today, and we'll see. He came off an injury where he was dealing with a little forearm tightness in his pitching arm, in his left arm. Uh, see if he can 
really give them some good innings today and really kind of stop the bleeding a little bit, so to speak. Hey, now, you mentioned Ryu, which was one of the reasons that we couldn't have you on last week, Pat. How did he look in his rehab assignment with the Bisons? He looked good. It, I think it was just a matter of getting the, the feel for his pitches. The velocity was there. He's not an overpowering guy, but what he does is he mixes his stuff so well, and he kept Durham, which is a very good hitting team, um, uh, pretty much off, off bay all game long. So, uh, I think he'll, he'll have some success back in the big leagues again now. And, look, he was a major acquisition going into what was the 2020 season. He won 14 games for the Blue Jays last year. And a big reason why they came within one game uh, of making the postseason last year. And um, a reason why uh, folks thought you get Gosman this year to be your ace. You have Ryu coming back. Maybe he doesn't make 31 starts, but maybe he makes 26, 28 and gives you 10 or 11 wins. Then you're on your way. So I think... Again, it's just a matter of a slow start for the Blue Jays in terms of uh, getting Ryu started. And uh, if he if he comes back and pitches the way he did in Buffalo last weekend, um, he'll he'll be on the right side of it more often than not. Pat Malacaro joining us on the West Her Hotline. Pat, I want to stick in the MLB and kind of go outside of the uh, the Jays organization for a quick moment here. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of our producers, Zach Jones, he's a huge Angels fan, and finally it looks like they may have things going and clicking at the right way that it needs to be and with the way that trout and otani are dominating it looks like maybe just maybe it's early but they may finally be able to get two of the best players in the game into the postseason yeah it is and look you didn't know what you're going to get on noah Syndergaard going into the season michael lorenzen has been a revelation going into the rotation somebody who's been in cincinnati his entire career um you know the, the story about reed detmers this past week and and, and throwing the no-hitter um, in just one of his uh, few appearances, and Chad Wallace, the, the catcher whose dad was in the big leagues and played for the Angels. Like, there's a lot of good stories um, with the Angels. Uh, you know, the manager there is, is the manager, and, and he's going to command a lot of respect for that team. So it's a matter of, I think, you know, if you, if you continue to play well, uh, Houston is, is kind of right back up there again this year, at least to start the season. I think the Angels really invest in their pitching staff in the offseason and you're seeing a lot of the results as, as to early on in the year why they're having success. And, yeah, Mike Trout's Mike Trout. Shohei Otani's going to be there. So it's just a matter of everything else around him filling out, and definitely that pitching staff is, is the main reason why. So, Pat, uh, obviously going back now to the Bisons, you mentioned they have a weekend mm-hmm. series in Lehigh Valley. How have things been looking for the herd overall as they've been getting to the start of the season? Yeah, they've been one of the top teams in, in their division in, in the International League overall this year. And um, one of the bright spots is the Bison's catcher, Gabriel Moreno, who's the top prospect in the organization, um, got to spring training a little bit late, and that was something that um, the, the Blue Jays knew about. So it wasn't an injury or anything like that. He got to spring training a little bit late, so that meant his season started a week or so late. Um, but he's been in the Bison's lineup um, almost every day, 19 uh, 20 games now for the team, including uh, serving as a DH a couple of times. They've got three of the top four prospects in the organization, um, according to most most scouting sources right now, uh, between Moreno, uh, Jordan Groshans, who's a shortstop and third baseman. He's ranked uh, third overall. Otto Lopez, who played for the team in 43 games last year, he's back, the number four overall prospect. So it's a prospect-heavy offensive team. It's not as many veterans as there were last year. Like last season, a guy like Tyler White was – up and down for the Astros when they were on their World Series runs. Christian Colon had a uh, what turned out to be the World Series clinching uh, base hit for Kansas City in their World Series championship. And it's a little bit unique this year because of 
the potential for the lockout that happened and, uh, you know, the moving parts of if would there be a lot of jobs out there for veterans. A lot of guys went and are playing in Korea or in Taiwan or in Japan this year. So not as many veteran free agents, but guys that were on this team last year, like Logan Warmoth or Colin Large, who are back and they're still in their mid-20s, both 25 years old, but they're kind of veterans on this team. So uh, it's a younger team, but it's a team that has some pretty good AAA experience, and um, they've played so well so far to a tune 19 and 15 and a third in the division, which Rochester, a team that the Bisons played pretty evenly in their uh, second series of the season, uh, has now won nine in a row and are, are leading the division. So it could be a good rivalry when Buffalo heads back to Rochester in a couple of weeks. Pat, now, of course, you do also do plenty with uh, with Sabres pregame and postgame as well. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a couple hockey questions here as well. And I know that it's not going to throw you off guard because you're going to know what you're talking about here too. Um, there are five game sevens. I don't know how to say it. Is it game sevens or games seven, Pat? Uh, but obviously the big one being can Toronto defeat their demons in a weekend that strangely enough has a lot of playoff demons for a lot of teams. Yeah. And just reading some of the quotes uh, that have come out of morning skate where uh, I think it's Willie Nylander has said, you know, basically you can't play scared. You can't play scared of the fact that, uh, you haven't, you've gone, what, 0 for 8, this, the many of this core in, in clinching situations for the Leafs. And on the other side, John Cooper's basically saying, we're using fear as a motivating factor. We don't want to be knocked out uh, after uh, two straight Stanley Cup championships. And how amazing is it that Tampa Bay not only won the Cup coming uh, out of that bubble situation, but then go back-to-back and have another short off season where the, the Stanley Cup Finals went into mid-July, early July last year, and then have to turn around and play a regular 82-game schedule this year. So, uh, it, I, I'm interested to see just when Tampa Bay runs out of gas, and if Toronto, um, you know, it, it, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but you know, the first goal of the game is going to be so big tonight because if it's Tampa Bay scoring, then it's here we go again for the Leafs. But if you're the Leafs, then you may get some momentum and, and and kind of build something. But you know, you always have that three goal de- uh, lead against Boston in the back of your mind if you're a Leafs fan, and all those other opportunities to close teams out. So that definitely is what I'm. Uh, very much looking forward to tonight. Now, Pat, uh, another one that Brian Koziel was on with us last, and he made mm-hmm. mention of this, that all the attention that Toronto is getting, Edmonton is another team that has had these problems with the core that they have with McDavid and Dreisaitl. They haven't won a playoff round since 2017. And with the talent that they have, that shouldn't really be happening. But now here they are in a Game 7 against the Kings, and if they go down, there's going to be more questions coming out of Edmonton as well. Yeah, and they've gone through head coach after head coach, and they've made roster changes here and there. Uh, goaltending is still probably their biggest issue. Um, you know, Mike Smith, very good player in his time, but you know, definitely somebody that uh, certain times in the series just scratch your head with some of the the, the non saves that he's made. And you're right, it's it's a situation where you've got the best player in the league. He's been he's been the best player since he came into the league. You've got Drysaitel, who is uh, the best player of his draft offensively. So you've got two of the best players, but then it's uh, whether it was defense in the past, now it's goaltending, whether it was coaching, a little bit of everything. Um, it definitely, Brian's right, it's deflected a lot of that attention away. But, you know, for, for, for Edmonton, you have to think that they'll be doing a lot more uh, retooling in the offseason to go out and get Zach Hyman uh, this past offseason to come in from Toronto and had a very good regular season. Um, so those are the guys you're looking to and, you know, Evander Kane is signed midseason, and I was talking to someone last week. Couldn't believe how many points he put up in 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 his time in Edmonton. But I guess I shouldn't be too surprised with the 
the offensive stars they have there. Uh, it's going to be fun. And then, you know, I look at tomorrow's series between Dallas and Calgary and two teams that are, I think, really easy to, to like in terms of Rick Bonus, the head coach for, for Dallas, who's been a hockey lifer forever and um, you know, took the team in the Stanley Cup final in the bubble two years ago. And then you got Calgary, which um, in, during the regular season, they slowed the game down and made it a little bit boring. But um, you had an old school coach who's adapted to the new school way of hockey um, in, in a lot of ways and has taken them to a, what, a 50 win season. Uh, Pat, obviously, um, one last one here for you before we let you yeah. go. And uh, that one is, I, I would like to get your thoughts on, yeah, it ended a couple of weeks ago, but the Sabres season did come to a close. And what are your final takeaways about the blue and gold as they get ready for one of the more important off seasons that has hope for once? I think it's a lot of validation for what Kevin Adams had done going into the season. And for, for some people, hiring Don Granato wasn't the, the sexy choice, so to speak. It wasn't going out and hiring, making a big splash, going to the college ranks or whatever. But Don Granato was the right guy for this team. You could see it at the end of the 21 season with the way guys were rallying around him and playing really the way they should have been playing um, if Ralph Kruger had kind of let the reins off a little bit. And you, you see guys like Paige Thompson go out, Jeff Skinner. Look, we've all talked about how much, you know, who, who's to blame for Jeff Skinner's uh, lack of scoring over a couple of seasons. But you get so much production out of that offense. You see so many of the young players who struggled in 20 and 21 come into their own again last year. And it's hard not to like what the Sabres have building for next season. And, Maybe it's the goaltending is, is the, the thing you look at this, this summer and say, Kevin Adams has done a really good job in all the other areas. He's building what he thinks is you know, his, his potential goaltending stable for the future. Now he's got to get that right because that is maybe the final piece to really put the Sabres in a good spot to be you know, right there for a wild card or, or try and contend. Because every year there's somebody that comes out of nowhere not that the Sabres would be coming out of nowhere, but um, you win a couple of games you're maybe not supposed to, and all of a sudden um, you're, you're putting some teams on notice, and I think that's where the Sabres are heading uh, definitely next season. Pat, it's been great to be able to hear from you. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing your call. What time is first pitch tonight out in Lehigh Valley? 6.35, we'll be over on the sister station, uh, the best 1520 at 6.20, and Derek, I'd never big league it. I never, never delete your number. Text me anytime. All right, that's one of the best people in all of Buffalo media, Pat Malacaro, joining us on the West Her Hotline. And just like with Brian, Pat knows a lot about everything. So you can ask him anything, and he's got answers for you. It's always good to hear from those guys, from Brian, from Pat, and be able to go pretty much around the horn with many topics. Who is more versatile of the two? Who can hit more topics? That's, I don't that's know. what we need to test. That's what, yeah, we, we got to have them on both at the same time and see who can hit more I, sports you know at what? once. The, the <laughs> I think we just need to get them, just plop them back here in the studio and just let them have see, a day. You see, Brian hit basketball at the end out of nowhere, but he didn't touch on baseball at all. I mean, I, mean, I didn't ask. The base, well, that's fair. That's fair. I right. Well, I, I don't Granted, know. he it's, did that unprompted, but, like, you know, again, like, you want to try to get some opinions on plenty of things. Correct. But yeah. I feel like I just could, think it's funny that they're both either so... one of them could do everything. Yeah. So that's probably why. But also, they're just the genuinely nicest people that I've come to work with here. We'll make a sports jeopardy game for them and have them go against each other. There you go. We'll have Brian and Pat square off at some point or something. This is Josh's idea. So <laughs> we'll let him roll it. Let's see if they let's see if they <laughs> like the idea. Let's see if they agree <laughs> to it. Both of them are just gonna text you and be like, What are you talking about, dude?
<laughs> no, they would never do that. They're too they're too genuine of people. But yes, I I think though that it's pretty interesting to see how the Jays are kind of middling right now, but Pat bringing in that they've got some of their best prospects now in Buffalo too, again. And the last time they had that, it was a trio that got us very excited about their future. And and then we were fortunate enough to be able to watch them in Buffalo when it came to uh, Guerrero and Bichette and Guriel. We got to see them play games here. And that made a lot of Jays fans. Because, of course, yes, it's nice that you have your minor league affiliate here in Buffalo, so you might as well play them there. But, again, in a, in a, in a place where more people than not were either on the Sox or the Yankees to be able to have the team that their affiliate is in Buffalo and you had a chance to watch them play live for bad circumstances under that pretense, of course, but you still got to benefit from it and you still got to create some baseball fans out of it. I'd like to point out you excluded Howard there. You didn't include the Mets. What are the Mets? (laughs) What are the Mets? No, it's it's, it's <laughs> they're actually doing well right now, which is going to make it even funnier when the salt mines are created because they Mets. It, it, it's it's cool to see though with the with the Blue Jays because <laughs> not only like you said they have the prospects coming up, but they're going out and getting big name acquisitions like like Pat said, Hunjin Ryu comes in, and you you get a guy like George Springer, mind you, the whole Astros thing, whatever. But and then you go get Matt Chapman as well, and and. It looks like the team's starting to come together, but they might just be missing one or two pieces, or they just haven't found their game yet. Baseball is such a long season that it doesn't matter if you stink in the first... Well, I guess it does matter, but... I mean, there's a Washington Nationals team that can argue your point right right. now. Yeah, exactly. They won a championship after looking like putrid butt trash halfway through their season. So, you're absolutely right. So, I'm not going to say 17 and 16 is a problem. It's just kind of a, all right, what's going on? And it's fair to ask, but hey, if the slumping bats are slumping right now, Toronto is still best known for its offense. And it's a long season. They'll probably get it back, just like Pat said, and everything will be fine. They'll start crushing dingers on a routine basis again. Baseball's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. You have to outlast your opponents. You have to have a deep bullpen and a deep team. And I think the Blue Jays have pretty good depth in, in some areas. And we'll see what happens with them. Of course, the Yankees are starting off on a toward pace. 24 and 8, of course they are. Hate everything about it. Well, it doesn't help when you buy the whole league. Yeah, it's true. Never helps. Ugh. 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 We've got tons of friends that are Yankees fans. Ugh. Ugh. I'll do it one more time. Ugh. All right, we'll move on. But, again, it's nice to catch up on everything going on around Diamond. Because the fact that is, I mean, we don't have a major league team here, but it's nice to be able to catch up on everything and see how the Bisons are doing. And hearing that they're doing pretty well right now, that's always nice to hear. I'd love to see some postseason action for the Bisons. Get Pat to call a herd game in the playoffs. A couple of them. That'd be nice. It'd be really nice. Come on, Bisons, get it done. And as you, as he'd made mention, you'll hear them, 635, on our sister station, The Bet, 1520. I did, I did say that right, right? Okay. I just wanted to make sure because it's been a while since I've had to mention something on our sister station like that. Like, personally, I haven't had to. But, uh, yes, on the bet, 15-20-635, Bison's taking on Lehigh Valley for a weekend series. We'll see how the herd are able to go through this one. We'll take an early break here. 
Take that, Geary. Uh, Derek Kramer, Josh Schmidt, we're coming back to you on the other side. And I'd made mention with each of them, with Brian and with Pat, there are a lot of playoff demons. Josh and I are going to go through them, see which team really is the most prone to blowing everything up if it fails. That's next on the other side. Some Stanley Cup playoffs talk coming your way on the other side on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. It's in the past. It's in the past, man. I mean, we can't change anything now. It's it's about this next game and uh, going out there and with the purpose and details and, and just competing for for 60 minutes or whatever it takes. And you know, we just got to put our on the line and, and go for it. You know what? <laughs> I've got two questions there. What is beeped out? I don't know if we're allowed to say it, but two, what do you wish was bleeped out? What word was it? But sometimes censorship, if you need it or don't need it, it just sounds better. The quote always sounds better if there's a beep in there. It there could have be been anything. S- there could have been so many other things under that beep, and none of you will ever know unless you've seen this video. Yes, and not to mention... You can do that with everyday quotes. I can be talking to you right now in a sentence, and the next thing you know, I say a thing, and it gets beat, and you just go, what was it that was said? What could we, sub- what could we subconsciously replace it with and make it the funniest in our own minds? Obviously, we can't say these things on the air, but it's funny to project that onto our listeners. So... <laughs> That is Austin Matthews, by the way, talking about the past of the past and trying to slay their demons coming up tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which makes me think about this. There are five game sevens. That's what I, th- I think that's the way I'm saying it. Or games seven, if you're uh, a minority on our poll, by the way, yeah, which we put it up. It's uh, right now 70% of you think it's game sevens and the 29.9% of you think it's games seven. I think it's game sevens. It just feels more natural. Yeah, it feels more natural. Games seven feels very like proper and like old timey yeah, English. It's, it's games. We've got five games seven tonight and tomorrow. I don't know. Why did I use that voice? But now, one of those game sevens obviously being Toronto. But now coming into it, I'm thinking about something completely different. What team do you want to see fail? What team, and we'll break down all of these, and I think there's some NHL bumps that, uh, that we can get for this, wink, wink, nod, nod, uh, to really be able to break these down round, round by round and see what's going on. See what the expectations are, and if they fall short of them, how does it affect the franchise makeup? Obviously, we could start with Toronto. Nicely done. And uh, we start with Toronto and Tampa tonight, 7 o'clock. And that's the one that you really look at and you go, of course, if they don't win another first-round series with the core that they have, the money that's tied up in those forwards, something is imminent. Because last year you thought it was going to happen with Montreal. But they stayed pet. They stayed patient. And they built probably what I think is one of the more complete rosters that they've had in recent history. However, if they don't win again, it does not matter. Something has to happen. They're too cap-tied. And they'll lose valuable role players again. The target has been on the back of John Tavares a lot. As he's not produced as much. Matthews has been fine. Marner, I think, has been doing well. But now it's going to depend on one game. Because routinely what has happened to Toronto in these games that have gone into the winner-take-all. 
they typically put up a dud. That's the thing that they're trying to avoid this time around is a dud in the last game. That's where the main drama is. If they put up another dud, blow up the core. If you're a Toronto fan. Who do you when you say blow up the core, who do you keep? Because there's there's a very good core there. I mean you have there Matthews, is. Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Morgan Riley, who's been there for how many years? I, I think mean, it's easier to move Nylander. That's that's what everyone's I, I think he might be the scapegoat if things go bad. Yeah, and part of that is just like it's just he's cheaper than the others. That's the only reason I would say and, it. And he's I mean you could you could argue Tavares, but his age and his age his, and his contract, it's kind of not gonna look good. And his quote unquote leadership role with Toronto. I mean he's technically the I think he's one of the oldest guys on the roster, so And he's, he's their captain. Yeah, and he's their captain. You 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 can't just trade off your captain like that. I mean you could if you want to signify changes are here. But he's also a recent addition. He's not like one of the guys that was grown in like Nylander, Mariners, Marner, and Matthews are. It's not like that. Obviously, you're not moving Matthews. Bro put up a 60-goal season. You move that, then you're just getting fired. You're just saying, I quit. However, when it comes to Toronto, the other piece is like Morgan Riley heads to free agency. Doesn't he? Or did they get an extension for him? But Jack Campbell's one of them. If Campbell can't seal it away, they can't afford to keep him. In their current cap situation, they can't afford to keep Jack Campbell. That's just a statistical impossibility. Morgan Riley was going to be a free agent, but then they signed him midway through the season. Um, One guy that isn't a free agent, or going to be, Mark Giordano. I mean, that was a rental line. And he's, he's up there in age. I don't he's think also, he's going to... He is from Toronto. It's it's the whole, oh, we're all from Toronto here sort of thing. So do they try to keep him around as a, another veteran You guy? might try to keep him around as like a value addition for your decor because he may just want to try one more swing at it because he's up there. It's not like something that is going to be a major issue. However, like they literally cannot afford to keep a goalie. And how do they add? What else would they need to add? They would need to get rid of someone in order to add something that they think that they're missing. That is the biggest question there. And like Brian and Pat had mentioned, though, Pat bringing it up that uh, the two teams are using very different motivators this time around. One saying, keep calm, play your game. The other saying, they're using basically, John Cooper's using fear. Of getting eliminated. Something that they haven't had to deal with in since the sweep against Columbus. And we saw what that did to them. Yeah, it just infuriated them into a whole rage of two Stanley Cups in a row. I mean, look at it this way. Toronto has eight unrestricted free agents on their roster right now. Two of them being goaltenders. I mean, granted, one of them is Michael Hutchinson, but the other one is Jack Campbell. Yeah, and they, they can't afford to keep Campbell. And Peter Morazic hasn't really shown Mm-mm. great... No, he's not been Greatness. Good. I mean, he's not. He's Eric, not even Eric Schalgren, their rookie goalie that they brought up this year as an emergency, he's been took fantastic. He took but, the job from Morazic. But you need someone else with him. You need someone like Jack Campbell with him, and you don't have the money to do that. Yeah, it's it's a very dangerous game that the Leafs are playing. Whether when they get eliminated, no matter what, but if they do it without another first round, and this is the one that's going to put them in insanity, because they've been the better team all series. That's the big thing. 
It's interesting to see what they do. <laughs> but this, this this song might actually be from the last time they won a, a, oh, a playoff series. Oh man! I mean, it is NHL '91, but it, Ouch. It's, it's pretty close. But yes, uh, again, you haven't won a first round series since 2004. Let's move on because there's another team in here that I'm very intrigued about. The Carolina Hurricanes. Now you look at me and go, why Carolina? Because Carolina has a particular boogeyman themselves. It's the team they're facing. They've been eliminated two two postseasons in a row against Boston the last two times they faced them, and it hasn't even been close. 4-0-4-1. Now, you haven't been able to close them out. Can Boston win on the road? Which they have not been able to do. They've looked ugly in Carolina. Well, I'm pretty sure this is one of those series where the road team always loses. It is. The home team has won each game of the series, and each team has looked particularly better at home. And it's not even close. It's not like they lose. It's that they lose big on the road, each of these teams. And now here comes Boston again. And if they don't, if if Carolina can't beat Boston, there's going to be some questions. About their core with Aho, Taravainen, Sveshnikov, the defensive core that they've built. And then you look at things in net and go, Freddie Anderson got hurt. Do you blame the injuries on your goaltender and think that everything's fine and you move on? They're another team with a lot of UFAs coming up that are their bottom six or middle six guys with Nino Niederreiter, Vincent Trocek, Max Domi. I mean, I Domi, think Trocek's as good as gone. Domi was probably more of a rental. He was acquired literally seconds before the trade deadline. But, I mean, Nino Niederreiter has been a core piece of this team for a few years now. And you're just going to, I mean, what do, you, what do you do there? I mean, they're not as in bad of a cap situation as Toronto, but they still have a lot of young guys on their team with big contracts that are long-term deals. Now, funny enough, though, Jesperi Kokaniemi buys them some cap space with the contract extension. But now you've got to remember, bringing that name up, they pissed off a team. They did the taboo thing of signing and successfully signing an RFA. So does another team look to strike back at them? Well, I mean, the only RFAs, they, the only RFA of value they might have would be Martin Nietzsche, Tony D'Angelo, and Ethan Bear. Those are the three RFAs of value that they have, but it's 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 possible. Yeah, it's it's it'd, possible. It'd be, that... it'd be hilarious. I'd love it. Yeah, because you no know, team ever offers sheets, so that would be fantastic. Exactly. I think though that again, Carolina's a team though. They may just look to make some trades if things don't work out because of the fact that. Again, Boston beats them. It'd be three out of the last four years if they lose this Game 7 that Boston is their reason why. Well, and it's interesting because most times when teams play Boston, it's the physicality that gets them. But Carolina has been the more physical team at most of this series. I mean, Hampus Lindholm was injured in, I think, Game 5 because of a big hit from a Carolina player. And so it's not the – you can't say it's the physicality. Sechnikov. It was it was Sveshnikov? Yeah, it was Sveshnikov of all people. Okay, yeah. So you can't say it's the physicality. It's just it's consistency. And I think that's the same thing going back real quick to Toronto is consistency is key with these teams. That they one game they're scoring eight goals and the next game they barely get a shot on net. And the other thing about Carolina is 
every time they've been eliminated, they've shown that they're a step behind. Because against Tampa last year, they showed they were not there yet. And that was also a defending champion going on a toward run for their second straight cup. But Carolina didn't put up much resistance. Now it's going to be what do the Hurricanes do if they lose yet again to Boston and go 0 for 3 in the playoffs in them? That's going to be another question. And of course, then there's the big one Calgary. Of course, Edmonton has its questions about what the core will be able to do uh, if they can't beat the LA Kings. But I don't think theirs is the same problem it's always been. You have no depth. You have no goaltending, and McDavid and Drysaddle have to do everything. The only difference is the new name on the on the wing with them in Vander Kane. That's the only difference. Otherwise, they get no depth. They still don't have a strong defense, and they still don't have strong goaltending. And that's just apparently forever their curse. Well, I mean, their their goaltending is going to get technically worse this offseason with Miko Koskinen leaving, but at the same time, is that it's a It's probably positive? better. It's probably better. Because, because they get out of that contract now, too. Right, but you lose a goaltender. You have to go out and get one now. That's fine. They need to. They need to anyway. Right, but it, it, in, in a market where a lot of teams are going to need goalies, you're going to have to compete, and I think some teams will be able to draw a goalie better than Edmonton because Edmonton has this, this you know, it's it's McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. That's it. If I'm Edmonton, the advantage I use is you don't have to deal with Connor McDavid in a game. That's fair. That's that's completely fair. And same, and you could say that for a lot of teams with with like, you know, the Lightning. You don't have to deal with my team shooting on you. Yeah, they just have to deal with it in practice, and they're not going to go as crazy with you. And and it doesn't matter if they score on you. Well, it doesn't matter as much. But not to mention, Edmonton gets themselves into some interesting cap situations because Darnell Nurse gets a huge pay raise coming up. Right. And for, some reason one... they ha- for some reason, they have another year, another year of Duncan Keith on their cap hit, and he's been brutal as expected. And you lose, you lose depth guys like Jesse Puyo-Yarvi and Kyler Yamamoto. <laughs> why is Cody Cece signed for three more years? Why did they trade for, or why did they, why did they sign ah! Cody Cece in the first place? Oh, no. Yeah, no, the Edmonton Oilers are just another mess. Like, Evander Kane coming in, he is able to stabilize his career again, but he's as good as gone. Not only because of their cap situation, but just, you know, a 30-year-old isn't going to draw a long-term contract either. Now we get to Calgary. The Flames have been notorious for underachieving for their potential. If the Flames lose out to a wildcard team, that had to stave off Vegas and create a salt mine down there and make us stupidly happy. Imagine Dallas making us happy. You gotta do a lot. Yeah. For a Dallas for Dallas the Dallas Stars to make Sabres fans happy. Like, I don't forgive them, but you know what? You get a pass for that one. But now your service is over. I don't need you in the playoffs anymore. You're not an entertaining team. Free Jason Robinson. Or Robertson, please, excuse me. Please, free him. He's an entertaining player that needs to be on a better team. Now, if Calgary loses, though, Gaudreau's a UFA. He's as good as gone. 
Because now, if you're looking at him from the club's perspective, what have you done with him? Nothing. You've achieved nothing. Matthew Kachuk and RFA, he's probably your focus of what you need to do, who you need to re-sign. And I think Gaudreau knows that, too. Gaudreau understands that he is their focus because he's younger, he's under more team control, and I wonder if that influences Gaudreau's decision at all. But also, Gaudreau can go get the money. Right. He can He can probably get... I, I, is it crazy to say he could get $10 million? I wouldn't say it's crazy. And if, you, and if he gets it, take it. But the I mean, other he, was thing a, that, he was a 100-point player this year. Yeah, the other thing is yeah, he put up in a contract year, and some teams are going to look at that because he's always been that good. That's the other thing. 115 points. Yeah. Six points in six playoff games. So it's not like he's struggling necessarily. He's no, just, he's just not as productive. Yeah, he's always been someone that has shined in the regular season more than the postseason. And he's kind of the face of the failures of Calgary in the playoffs. Now what do you do? The other thing about it is if Gaudreau and the Flames lose again as a heavy favorite, it has a trickle-down effect. Because now teams can go barking up the tree for the big free agent, and then the other big free agent names are going to get more attention. I look at one Philip Forsberg and think that if teams don't get to Gaudreau, that's the next one they go after. Because it's not necessarily like you're going to talk to both of them because what happens if both of them agree to sign with you? Next thing you know, your cap is in just a different kind of hell. You're paying two players $20 million a piece or total. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if Forsberg can get to 10 but No, but it... Yeah, no, like it'd be like two players, $17 million at minimum. And it's like, oh, right. no, no. But it does have a trickle-down effect. Teams that will go after Goudreau, there will be some others that throw heavier money at Forsberg. That is where it's going to get interesting. I am very intrigued to see if Calgary is the one that gives the biggest ripple effect on the league. Nassim Kadri is a UFA. Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin is a UFA. Claude Giroux. Yeah, these are guys that are going to get some nice money or are going to be nice additions, but they get pushed down a little bit because Goudreau's on the market. A 115-point player is available to sign for no penalty other than money. Good Lord. I think the Flames are the team that you look at as the one that could have the most effect on the league if they fail tonight. Is it tonight or tomorrow night? Sorry. That's tomorrow night. tomorrow. Tomorrow Tomorrow night. Yeah, if they fail tomorrow night, they may have the biggest ripple effect on the league, not Toronto. Toronto for the memes, but the Flames for the effect it may have on the rest of the league. Because think about the rest of their core. Monaghan probably don't... Injured. Injured right now on LTIR still. But again, a player that also has been in the same situation. When he was talked about as a, 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 mo- a moving piece for the past couple trade deadlines. Exactly. So now you may think, okay, maybe some team will want to bite on that. Do they keep Lindholm around? Like, what do they do? There's so much about this team that, because they've invested heavily in a goalie in Jacob Markstrom. Rightfully so, though. 
I mean, yes. Markstrom is one of the better goalies in the league right now. And he's been one of the reasons they've been alive. But yeah. And Monaghan's up in 23 anyway. So you might just move on from him anyway. If, if they don't move on from him now and then don't re-sign him next year, that will be a really big blunder. It's a waste by. of asset management. Right, because you could have moved him for the past three seasons at that point, and then you don't even re-sign him. And then it's like, and then their fans will say, well, why did we keep him around for all this time? Why didn't we move on from him and sign back somebody like Johnny Gaudreau? I mean, granted, you're not going to get all the money you need for, from Sean Monaghan, but you're going to get a fair chunk of it. We'll talk more about these playoff matchups as they are very intriguing. Uh, on the other side, we got one more hour to go. Derek Kramer, Josh Schmidt, we're with you until 2 o'clock. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Welcome back in Sports Talk Saturday, hour two uh, in the books. Thank you to Pat Malacaro joining us in this past hour, getting to talk some baseball with him, adding his thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. And in the last segment, Josh and I really going into what teams messing up game seven would have the biggest effect on the league. And uh, we came up off the air with another answer that might surprise everyone. That one will be on the other side. It's called tease. But if you have any thoughts, could it be Bills? Could it be Sabres? Could it be Stanley Cup playoffs? It could be anything that your mind is on about the weekend that is in sports. There's seven Game 7s or Games 7 if we think that you're a a little um, odd. (laughs) According to the poll, that's a lot of the opinion at this point. But uh, if you got any thoughts on those... Give us a call, 803-0550-1888-552-550. could be about anything. It could be about the schedule release still. That was one of our opening topics today as well. Hockey playoffs. Are you cheering for the Leafs to finally crack it? Josh is looking at me like, how dare you even ask that? Well, I mean, I did talk about, like, <laughs> maybe it'd be funny if they did win for once, but... Now that I'm, now, the more I think about it, the less I want it to happen, just so the memes can continue. One more year of memes, and then fine, they can win. Let the Sabres get good first, is what you're saying? Yeah, let the Sa- no, let the Sabres make the playoffs and beat them in the first round next year. Oh God, that would be the oh, cap. That would God. be the cherry on top of the Sunday. Oh God! But um, one noteworthy thing about the Leafs, if they win in this uh, game seven, by the way, the Panthers have snapped their streak of winning in the first round. If Toronto wins in the first round, it goes and points the longest drought of a playoff series victory to Buffalo, which is easy because they now hold the record for most playoffs missed in a row. So it's kind of easy to have that established front. But the Sabres, in the current moment as we stand today, have advanced past the first round still more recently than Toronto. That is still on the radar. We'll dig more into these Stanley Cup playoffs and whatever you want on the other side. Derek Kramer, Josh Schmidt, Hour 3 of Sports Talk Saturday, coming up next here on WGR.